Mr. A here, saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble or bumble like a crack of white gumbo. Standing on the ground, flat feet first. Till I'm worms and drugs, and I'm doing it on my toes. Welcome to the Rumble. We are back and better than ever, helping you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We don't want you sucker punch, so we're here each and every week helping you keep your guard up. I am Jeremy Lavelle with Remedy Claims Consulting at Claims Coach on Instagram and TikTok. They just call me the mouth of the South. And the and, a, and alongside of me is our very special guest. And speaking of back and better than ever, of P.S. adjusting, <laughs> we just call her the claim dame, Miss Jessica Odell. Very excited hey. to be here. And the radically rambunctious and the insolubly illuminating, the one, the only, Baby Cakes, oh. Donna LaBelle. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I have too. We've been we've been off for a little bit. It's been hard. It's been hard with everything going on and the heat wave that we have in Texas. My God, is it hot? I cannot Jesus. believe how hot it is. We're going on. I think we're going at like six weeks of hundred degree temps. Oh my gosh, it is so. I hot. think it's I, about six weeks. Or maybe I longer. Mean, it's, it's literally so hot. I can't complete a thought in my own head. I walk outside and I go. You know what? I think I'm God. It's out of here and i can't do anything else other than just complain about how hot it is it's terrible it is the, it is the worst thing ever there's a little uh homage there to lewis black but i'm really glad i didn't have headphones on for that <laughs> it wasn't that <laughs> really wasn't that loud so um anyway um got a lot of stuff going on but first of all do we have any interesting facts we do i happen to have for the interesting day. facts here do we, they do happen we. to be pulled up right here um did you know that today in 1977 so today is august 16th 2023 and in 1977 on this day elvis died at graceland from a heart failure at age 42 well also rumble up in one there thank you very much pass me a joke also, here's another interesting fact. Um, baseball legend Babe Ruth died to, on this day in 1948 at the age of 53. He died in New York. Golly. Wow. So Elvis and Babe Ruth. Yep. God, on August the 14th. Also, here's another one that you probably didn't know that you've always wanted to know. The original Siamese twins, Ang and Chang, arrived in Boston in 1829. Did they ride together? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to ask that question. I didn't, I didn't know if they showed up together or not. So uh, so I'm, now you know, and knowing is half the bullshit. There we go. Knowing is half the bullshit. <laughs> well, Jessica, I, I cannot think of a uh, better person to talk about this with because um, over the last several months, you and I have gone back and forth about different things. And... Um, the name of this episode is actually Don't Be That Guy. And we're going to talk about some things because I and and Jessica and I, Jess and I have gone back and forth about this Allstate claim or that State Farm claim or this farmer's claim or this situation, that situation. And I really love going back and forth about some of the different claim studies that we've talked about. 
And it's and I don't think that there is a single one of us out there that can tell you the absolute magic bullet that it takes to get a claim paid. I can't tell you what I can tell you is what you can do to not get a claim paid. I can certainly <laughs> tell you that. And that's what this that's what this episode is t- entitled. Don't be that guy. Oh, why? Don't guy, be that guy. Yeah. And this is going to come to you in three separate rounds. OK, um, when you hear this sound. You know that the round has begun, and when you hear this sound, you know that the round is over. Now, Jessica and I are not debating. We are simply discussing because it's not us that are in the Rumble, guys. It's you each and every day that's out there slugging it out with these different carriers and different people that are involved in the claims process, and we are just here to provide the commentary, the insight, and the encouragement for you to keep slugging it out. Be sure to break through before you break down. That's all I'm telling you. And I'm here for texture. Yeah, you are, and it's baby cakes over there, so if you hear anything funny, it's certainly not me. It's baby cakes over there twisting and tweaking everything. (laughs) And uh, we're going to dive right in because round one starts right after this. Public adjusters, listen up. It's Jeremy Lavelle, owner of Remedy Claims Consulting, host of the Rumble, and most importantly, your claims coach. Public adjuster training is one of the hardest things to find. Sure, you can take some online seminars, you can show up to conferences, but none of them tailor training just for you until now. Whether you need to learn how to estimate, scope, negotiate, or prospect, I can help you drill down on the skills you want to develop. Maybe you're just starting out and you need to learn the claims process from a to Z, or you're just wanting to help are you just wanting help on strategy on a specific claim? I can help you find the traction you were looking for and learn how to truly control the narrative in the ever-changing world of claims. You can reach out to me directly at 888-596-8772, or you can find me on the web at remedyclaims.com and just click get started. That's 888-596-8772 or remedyclaims.com and click get started. You can even shoot me an email at jeremy at remedyclaims.com that's j-e-r-o-m-y at remedyclaims.com it's time to move your career to the next level round one transparency with the client So transparency with the client, Jessica, I am going to defer to you and let you kind of tell us your your insight, your wisdom. Give it to us. What does it mean to be transparent with your client? Um, first and foremost, it's it's not that we're going to just swoop in and save the day. Yes, that's I, I felt like before COVID, that's kind of what it felt like we were able to do. Um, I felt like, you know. For the most part, within 90, 120 days at the most, you could just swoop in, package up your claim, do the proof of loss, have an adjuster meeting, and boom, it's settled. Um, Those days, I haven't seen those days in a while. Um, From talking to other public adjusters across many different states, mostly the southern states, you know, they haven't seen it in a while either. Um, The environment has definitely changed, and I think because of that change, we have to be transparent with our clients. We are, this is not a quick fix. You know, by, by the time they've suffered a loss and they've trusted their insurance company and the adjusters have either not shown up when they said they were going to show up or they show up and maybe they'll, they'll tell them they're going to get the whole roof and everything is going to be made whole again. And then they get a check for $2,000, you know, just some of the insanity that, that they've been dealing with. And then they finally find out what a public adjuster is and then they hire one. They think that, oh, this is going to be settled like that. They're just going to, you know, here in a couple of weeks, it'll be done. 
uh, that's that's a huge disservice is to let them to continue to think something like that. Um, so, you know, explaining the steps that are involved. This is not a quick fix. This could take 30, 60, 90, 120 days. Um, you owe it to them to explain what your left and right limits of your license entails. Um, you know, you're not an attorney and you're not a contractor either. You're, you're kind of like the middle, right? Um, you kind of want to explain what, what, what is the best case scenario? And then also explain what the worst case scenario is. Um, explaining, you know, obviously after you've wrote the policy, explaining appraisal, you know, if, if it goes, if it doesn't go as planned, we can still opt to use appraisal. We can still opt to use an attorney. Um, but sometimes they'll ask you, well, how many of your files are going to attorney or attorneys? How many are going to appraisal? Uh, tell them the truth. I mean, you owe it to tell them the truth. Um, you don't want to sugarcoat anything with the insured. You don't want to scare them to death either. But I'll tell you, clients do appreciate transparency more than anything, because then at the end, when it's time to go to appraisal or time to go to an attorney, they're already comfortable. You already told them. Now, I know you're still going to get the clients out there <laughs> that will say, well, I, you never told me about this. Well, actually, sir, back on April 15th <laughs> at 2.30 p.m., we had a phone call. Um, but they're, they're more apt to pay your bill. They'll say, you know, this, this PA did exactly what they told me they were going to do. And, you know, the carrier still just chose not to pay. That's why... <laughs> I think I think one of the levels of transparency is actually have a work product they can put their hands on. You know what Amen I mean? Like this, that. this is this is what I've turned into the carrier. This is this is the the narrative that I wrote. Here are the photographs that I've taken. And look, in those in those in those and that work product can be a rather lengthy document for lack of a That's better right. term. You know what I mean? It can be I mean, yes. you're not just gonna email it over. You know, it's, I mean, um, Don and I used to actually put the claim file like on a little branded jump drive or a little flash yep. drive that we would hand up and go, <laughs> here's all of your claim documents. Here's every note that we took. Here's every photo that we took. Here it is. If you ever need to know anything about this claim, it'll be right here on this flash drive. And I think I think that that's really important. If you're going to have real transparency, it's not just what the claims process is or what they can expect. I mean, transparency exceeds just setting expectations like you pointed out, Jess. I don't think it's just that. I mean, I think transparency is transparent all the way through right down to, oh, yeah, by the way, here's my invoice. And this is why my invoice is this. And it's like, well, you know, they were going to pay me something no matter what. And, uh, you know, and, and, and what about that? You know, and it's like, well, if you read your contract, you know what I mean? You have to go back and it requires walking them through this because everybody's all excited for you to come in and help them out when they have a $2,500 total at the bottom of the estimate and it's below their deductible. You know what I mean? But when mm -hmm. you take that claim to a hundred thousand dollars and go, Hey, by the way, my invoice is 10 grand for that. Right. You know what I mean? They're, they're, yeah. they're like, well, Whoa, they that's forget, a lot of they money. Forget everything you told them. They for, Yeah. Right. They do. A lot of times they do. And it, it's, it's like, look, I'm not slamming homeowners here. I'm just saying it had been a long, arduous process 
And they they wanted it to be something where I make a phone call or I or I, you know, twist a couple of knobs or I, you know, put somebody in a headlock. And two weeks later, they got that hundred thousand dollar check. If it happens that quick, they're generally really happy to pay it off. But when it gets into that hundred and twenty, hundred and eighty days, if it goes into twelve months, over right. twelve months, that yep. becomes they they're they're more impatient with that claims process, and it's become yes. more painful. You know what I mean? Right. What did I hire you for? Yeah, <laughs> it's longer time to think about. Yeah, it. and the other thing is, is like like. You know, it's like I can almost guarantee you if you hadn't hired me, this claim process would have been over a lot sooner. And that's what they look at. It's like this thing would have been over a lot sooner. Yeah. And settled for, you know, fraction pennies on the dollar. You know what I mean? Where you got a hundred thousand dollars, you would have gotten fifteen or twenty thousand dollars trying to fix, you know, a hundred and ten thousand dollar problem or whatever the case may be. So. You know, this is this is always something that you've got to stay in front of as you're going through the process. And I love what you said about, look, this is the claims process. These are the alternate dispute resolutions. There's a thing called appraisal. I haven't read your policy yet. Some appraisal clauses are very simple and very broad and very and very lots of room. It's kind of like the Wild West. Other appraisal clauses, you know, want to pick the name of my next child. You know what I'm saying? They get very, very specific about how they want this appraisal process to go. It's like you're going to pick an appraiser. You can argue about this. You can argue about this. And, oh, by the way, we reserve the right to deny anything even after the appraisal process is done. And, you know, there's all of these things and explaining this to them. And and it's like, and guys, I want you to hear me. Don't sit your client down and give them all of this in one meeting. Right. Do you know what right. I mean? Because yes. if you want them yes. to remember absolutely nothing, sit them down and tell them this in all in one meeting because they are going to look at look at you like a donut. Their face is just going to be all glazed over and they're not going to remember anything you say because you do this every day. And one time I remember sitting there trying to explain depreciation versus the deductible. And by the time I got done done talking i was confused right yeah (laughs) like do you understand what i'm saying i hope so because i don't understand what i'm saying and i think and i think when you sit down a lot of things can't be explained in an email or over the telephone sometimes you have to sit down at the kitchen table and and you know put this thing on a cocktail napkin so that they understand it's like okay so this is what your roof is worth if we buy a new one but the roof that's on your house right now is worth this. The difference in these two things is called depreciation. And they're not going to pay you this until you actually spend. And so you get into explaining all of that and you've got to draw the dots really, really close together. So part of transparency is actually being understandable and making them understand what's going on. Going back to your, you know, being transparent with, you know, communications and whatnot, these CRMs nowadays have the ability to share the whole file real time with the client as you're going through the process. My case for sure does it. Job Nimbus, we you know we use. I've used both. Um, I think there's another one called Practice Panther. I know that one does it. But you can literally share the file with the client if the client has a signed contract with the contractor and there's an AOB or or the insured just wants you to share the file with the contractor or whomever. You can share real time. They can go back to their file at any time they want and see every correspondence, every email, every note, every, every document, everything. It's amazing. You know, Claim Wizard does that too. 
And we actually oh, used yeah, something. We, we used a uh, proprietary one that we built ourselves, and you could do that. And I think being a, having that customer portal for them to be able to log in and see what's going yep. on, um, I think is I think is is very is very is very smart. Allowing them to see those things, I I can't agree more. Now you want to be careful about how uh-huh. that information gets disseminated yes. to them because they can yes. take something. You know, they see the one word where we're not going to be paying overhead and profit, and you'll get a phone call in twenty minutes going, "You told me this was going to be covered." It's like, look, uh-huh. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not done yet. Give not me done just, yet. I'm not done. Trust the process. <laughs> You Trust know, the process. Yep. You give me just a minute and let me get through some of these things. But um, That's right. and I think where transparency is is super important is if you're dealing with just a full on denial, you know, and Jess, you and I have probably worked more hail claims this year than we'll work for the rest of our career. <laughs> the amount of hail claims that we've seen come through this state. And right. And, you know, there was a lot of denials. There was a lot of people saying that it was just simply wear and tear. Wear and tear. That's the number one. Yes, sir. You know, or, or fine. We'll replace some, but we're only replacing 19 out of 300 and something. In a checkerboard pattern. Yeah. And, and it's like, let me get this straight. If I replace part of the drywall, you'll paint the entire wall. But if I have to replace part of the roof, you're not going to. You're not going to make sure that that's consistent across. You're okay with that. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of fallacy within the, the carriers estimating methodology and their, and their claim resolution methodology. I see that all the time. And, and, you know, all we can do, there is nothing that we are ever going to be able to tell you that is not going to make them adhere to their guidelines. 100%. There is nothing that I can tell you. My best argument there is like, sir, those are estimating guidelines. And we're not talking about your estimate. We're talking about my estimate. I don't have estimating guidelines. So I've been the average now that I have heard from several PAs. And again, uh, this is kind of state specific because right now, uh, I mean, I've worked hurricanes across the Gulf, but more recently it's been focused on hail in Texas. So I apologize for people around the rest of the country they're like we don't have that here in texas talking a lot of texas pas some are having to go three levels up before they finally get someone to really look at the damage report and go crap yeah this whole roof really should be replaced three levels three that's ridiculous even if you can get up a level if you can yeah one level that's hard enough did you know supervisors don't have direct extensions or phone numbers? Anymore? Right. Or email addresses. Yeah. Yeah. Can and I? We, and we wonder why. <laughs> and it's. It, yeah, well, we were I told mean, they'll contact you. They'll, yeah. We'll, we'll have them call you. <laughs> okay. Well, and I realize those are the people that they're putting on the phone is like, because these people would be sitting around doing absolutely nothing get, based on the guidelines that they're given to settle claims with. You know what I'm saying? These they would let. It's like I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to somebody who can make a claim decision because you don't right. make claim decisions. All you do is take my estimate, compare it to your guidelines, and deny everything else. You so know that's that's what the with the whole going back to transparency with the client. I am going to do everything within the confines of my license. The first time we're probably either going to get a denial or told we're not going to do anything. I'm going to go to the supervisor. 
once I get a hold of the supervisor, depending on what that supervisor says, if they are trying to work together, then it's worth our, our time to try to work with that supervisor. If the supervisor shuts down immediately, then I'm going to go to at least one more supervisor and I'll file uh, a complaint with the Texas Department of Insurance. You know, and just I, explaining that. But at the end of the day, I still can't force them to pay if they don't want to. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I do. I do not. I mean, I can't kidnap their kids. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be able to hold their wife hostage until they cut the check. You know what I'm saying? There's not those. Yeah. There's only so much that I can really do. And I have seen carriers more and more just stare you in the face and basically say, sue us. Yep. If that's what you yes, want to do. I, I actually saw I was I was talking to an adjuster today in in Florida, Jess, that the carrier suggested that they review the portion of the policy called suit against us. <gasps> I'm dead serious in writing, put it in an email said, maybe you should read this part of the policy. And yeah. I was just, it's like, really? I mean, that yeah. is, that is just absolutely asinine when you're trying to settle a claim in good faith. And and in I think good faith. That's, exactly that's all I'm trying to do is if you don't have the documentation that you need to make a coverage decision, please tell me what documentation you need and I will get that for you. And so yep. what I think, I think with, you know, if you're going to provide your client good transparencies, don't be a dick to the, to the carrier. You know, be a professional, be a pro. Don't don't sit there and just there is nothing that you can readily. You can't you can't think that the carrier just needs to be able to see this. You know what I mean? Just because the roof is damaged, you you've got to show that there's felt underneath the uh, underneath the shingles. And if you haven't shown that there's felt, then you've got to prove that there's felt. You can't just make them go. Well, you put felt on every roof. Well, that's true. You know what I mean? But you and I and I get that. I get that. But you run into some of these places in in smaller towns in different states. And I know all along the south, you'll run into uh, you'll run into roofs with no felt on them, you know, and if it's not there, they don't know for it. And if they don't have if they don't have law and ordinance coverage, they don't know for it. And so you cannot insist that they pay for something that they don't owe for. And that's the other thing with the client. If you're going to be really transparent is understand their damn coverages. Understand what they have the right to claim at this point and, and walk them down that road. So if you're not reading the policy, please, please, please read the policy. Jess, right. final thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I just I can't agree more with the policy thing. There, there, especially with appraisal right now, the environment is changing all of the time. And verbiage is actually making its way into policies. So I think State Farm now, it's like two and a half pages. I think they yeah, went from a paragraph to two and a half Yep. Something like that. So, you know, um, yeah, we can, I mean, we can't stress enough to, to read the policies. Read the policy. They are changing all the time, all right. the time. I just want to put point this out just kind of as a free little tidbit before we go into round two. Um, if you read, if you can get a hold of the new State Farm appraisal clause, and you run every appraisal you do by that clause, you will run a great appraisal. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. If you if you work with the documentation and you follow according to those rules, and basically whether the carrier asks for it or not within their appraisal clause, because some of them are still really simple. You pick an appraiser, we pick an appraiser, and if they can't 
agree, then they'll pick an umpire and then whatever it is, that's what it is. You know, there's, there's, okay. there's that clause. It's still out there, but I have gone over with a fine tooth comb that state farm appraisal. And that's a, that's a good one. If you really want to maintain your appraisal and, and save yourself a lot of time and headache in an appraisal, that's how I right. would handle it. So guys, if you don't have the, op when you get the opportunity, look up that new state farm appraisal clause, cause it will, it'll learn it, you a thing or two. Right. <laughs> that, and it, I think it also keeps some of these from going, you know, just as long as some of these files that are with attorneys. I mean, some of these appraisals were getting eight to 12 months long. Oh, when all the time. should have only been four. Well, yeah. <laughs> Three and or four. four. Four weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's like it just, they, some of these just shouldn't take that long. Well, um, that's going to conclude round one, and we're going to get into round two because it starts right after this. One of the most difficult claims you can work is a contents claim. It requires extreme detail and significant documentation. Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services is the expert you need on your side. She will handle on-site evaluation, inventory, photo documentation, pricing, and overall contents claim organization. She will work with your team beginning to end so you can focus on the rest of the claim. Do your client a favor and call Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services. You can reach her at 515-783-1434. That's 515-783-1434 or find her on the web at monarchclaimservices.com. Round two, transparency in your documentation. I'm going to take this one because I like this one. I'm a document hound. You can't have too much of it. Now, whether That's or not right. you use it, whether or not you use it, you need to be judicious about the documentation you send people. But you want to make sure that you have all of this stuff set in front of you. Not everything can be solved with your camera phone, guys. You know what I mean? Not every documentation that you get is going to is going to fall under the heading of company cam in your photo report. There's got to be more. There's got to be you're going to have to do more than that these days. Um, it's not the same as it was. It's not the same as it was. Um, you know, I even three and four years ago, usually you could just send in a, you know, a well-written estimate, decent little photo report, get that increase and you're off to the next one. Not anymore. Not anymore. And I think, again, back to transparency with the client is to let them know, look, it's going to take me a little bit to get all this documentation gathered. And when you're yep. writing an estimate, make sure you have documentation that supports every stinking line item in that estimate. Yeah. I mean, most of the time when I show up, especially for residential where there's, you know, whether the roof is leaking into the home, a tree is falling on the home. some I'm usually there on, on the ground for three hours. Um, you know, we're, we're doing a hover report. So we're doing all elevations for all structures. We're, you know, droning the roof, we're getting on the roof, we're in the attic space. And then we go room by room by room, whether there's, you know, damage in the room or not, if there's no damage, we simply document no damage, you know, in this room at the time of inspection. And then we go through first, we, we, you know, do overview photos of the room. And then we go around the room, wall, 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 label the walls. And then we go wall by wall and look for the damage and document the damage. And especially when it comes to water, you, you, have, you, can't, you can't just point an infrared camera and go, oh my God, there's water. No, you, that doesn't help you find water. It's a temperature anomaly. You have to go and inspect. Why is there a temperature anomaly? You have to hit it with the moisture reader. 
you know, wood, especially baseboards, hold water very well compared to drywall. Drywall may still show dry, but you hit those baseboards and boy, that's that's where the money's at is, is you know, the wood type materials. They soak up and hold that water. That's that's more evidence. I mean, because think about it. Sometimes we're not getting called as PAs. We're not getting called out to these, you know, these losses until two, three, four months after the events occurred. It's very unfortunate, you know, but that that is the reality is a lot of times, yes, some of this stuff has dried up. You can't see it anymore, um, but it's still worth bringing all the tools and taking the, the dry standard readings and the, the wet readings and using the infrared. But to do that also, you have to, and this is where integrity, you know, and ethics comes into play, got to get trained on it. You got to be trained on your equipment. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Y'all settle down. Y'all settle down. I know that's a big deal there. You have to be trained on it. You can't just, be- just because you own a tool doesn't mean you're really certified to use it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know how to use a scalpel, but it doesn't mean I should be doing surgery. For real? Right. I mean, some of these moisture readers will read a quarter of an inch into the wall cavity. Some of these other moisture readers, like the FLIR, uh, I can't remember the 54, whatever. It's um, It's got the ball probe on it. That's four inch depth penetration, which means if you're dragging it along, or not dragging it, but tapping along drywall, getting your moisture readings, it'll spike. It's going to spike because it's picking up stuff deep within the wall cavity, such as your HVAC ducts, your copper pipes. <laughs> Right. Stuff that's got a higher <laughs> moisture content reading than your average drywall. Yeah, you um, put a moisture reader on a corner bead and it's going to light up like a Christmas tree. I know it. Uh, can I tell a quick? Yeah, do it. Do it. <laughs> can I can I tell a quick story about that? I was actually working up in the Northeast one time. I was down in a basement and I was uh, I was putting and actually it was like it was a basement and a two story house on top of a basement. So I was going through and uh, it was an ice dam claim and I was putting my moisture reader in every place. I put my moisture reader was just lighting up like a Christmas tree. I was like, I've got to tear all the drywall out of this house. I have no <laughs> idea where all the water's coming, but it's wet. It is so wet. No stains anywhere. And then I realized that the entire house is plaster with a metal lathe behind it. <laughs> Woo! Embarrassing moment. Embarrassing moment. <laughs> well, I, I, then I realized, oh, this thing is like, oh, okay, now I understand. And then when you, so you've got to understand that these moisture readers don't really, I mean, they read conductivity of electricity is what they're reading. You know, and so when you understand how the tool works, so understand how that tool works. If you don't understand how the tool works, you're not going to know how to tell the difference between what an actual reading is going to be, whether it's a moisture meter, whether it's a thermal camera, whether it's, you know, a bore camera, whatever it is, even your laser, even your laser measure. If you don't understand how that thing translates information, then it's Uh going to be wrong. The reason why your laser doesn't work outside as well as it does inside is because of the diffusing of light. And so if you don't understand how that laser transmits information back and forth to how the thing, to what it's reading, then you're going to be inaccurate. And that's and that's understanding when you put that documentation down and you use it as documentation, you don't be wrong. Do everything you can to be accurate about it. 
So understand the tools that you're using. That is part of transparency and documentation. Make sure that your estimate doesn't have a bunch of ridiculous stuff on it. I'm going to tell you, I put a, I put a, a, a temporary toilet on almost every one of my claims. Almost right. every one of my claims as a cost prior to the job beginning. But if I come in and I'm writing an estimate or I'm writing a supplemental and they don't have a temporary toilet out there while the job is going on, guess what doesn't go on my estimate? temporary mm. toilet. I don't put a temporary right. toilet on my estimate. If they're not going to buy right. one or use one, I'm not going to put one out there. I'm not going to put a right. 20 yard dumpster. If they're going to use a dump trailer, I'm not, you have got to be, I mean, that's the way that we control. If you want to help control the cost of premiums and whether or not carriers approve claims and make sure that they're paying out the proper amount is don't inflate your claim. Just right. don't do it. Don't do it. I mean, and I know a lot of people will go, I'm going to, I'm going to estimate for 200,000. So they'll come down to the 150 that I really want it to be. Right. You know, and I understand that strategy. I get it. There's, it's not lost on me, but that is not really what we should be doing. What we've got to do is just write a good, fair, clean estimate for everything that you do. Well, and then also documenting, you know, your, well, I guess if you're in a one party state, well, I guess in theory, you could get a two-party state and get permission, but document or, or record your conversations with the adjuster because that shows the adjuster, look, I, I can't say anything I'm not willing to uphold either. You know, I'm, I'm just as vulnerable in this conversation as you are. And right. and then there's no he said, she said. It's It goes back to that, that integrity and documentation. So your accuracy of your investigation and then the recording itself of, you know, of the adjuster meeting. Um, and then also while you're inspecting, if you come across damage, ask the homeowner if it's new or old, if you're unsure. Yes, there, there's cracks in the walls here, there, blah, blah, blah. If it's really fresh and it's right after a storm, sure, you could argue all day long. It's, it's you know, possible that it was storm related. But if you're unsure, go ask the homeowner. Sometimes a homeowner is going to tell, I mean, I've had homeowners, plenty of them say, oh, no, that's I that's old. I tried fixing it and it's just, I didn't know. A lot of them will tell you the truth. A lot of them will yep. tell you the truth. Yeah. Is there any way we can add it to this claim, though? No, I'm sorry. So no. what I do is I'll put that, I'll put still take the picture of the damage and I'll put it in the photo report, but I'll put next to it the photo report in the, in the caption, right? Because I annotate every photo. Not storm-related damage. It, it, it's a way of trying to tell them I'm trying to stay above reproach. Yeah. I'm, I'm showing you the damage that I found that's not related to the storm because I'm finding lots of damage here to say something's not damaged. And I see lots of stuff. I see lots of reports come back from, from carrier adjusters or independent adjusters where there's no damn, where it just says no damage. And I used to do this when I trained independent adjusters. It's like, there is no house that you are ever going to show up to and no component that you're ever going to look at that has no damage on it. There's ne never, never. Right. The only thing right. that's not been damaged is stuff that's sitting at the supply house. That's the only non-damaged stuff. Everything else is, is either gotten some damage due to, due to installation. There's got some damage due to some wear and tear. There's damage. There's damage on almost everything, whether it's a scuff, a mark, a marring, something yep. like that. Most of the time you're going to run into some kind of damage somewhere. And it's really important to say, Hey, look, I'm seeing this stuff. I'm seeing this stuff, but I'm not claiming it. The other right. thing, Jessica, 
Jess, I was, I'm actually working a claim. It's an active claim right now, and it's a significant water loss. Well, the contractor has pretty much torn everything out, and it's all a legitimate tear out. All of the coverage has been extended. We're a little, we're arguing a little bit on scope, but there's one room that they didn't tear out, and it's the master bathroom. And the only thing that you can see wrong, no cracked tile, no nothing. There's nothing wrong. It's just the door, the, shower, the glass shower door, for whatever reason, won't close. And the contractor thinks it's due to the floor bulging. And the problem is, is the only thing I can find is that the door catches on the on, on the door jam, basically, where it slides up against the tile. It doesn't it's a two way swinging door and, uh -huh. and it just catches on the tile. The problem is, is I cannot find any connective damage to that thing. So I ain't including it. We're not going to tear out an entire bathroom because no. the door won't close right. Let's figure out another way to fix this. I, I'm all about putting a smaller door on there. You know what I mean? So that it will close. Right. You know, those sorts of, those sorts of, and, and look, if it's truly water damage, then I don't have any. I don't have any problem with fixing it and doing whatever it takes to fix it if it's truly water damage, but there's no damage that's connected. I cannot relate it. I can't draw the line between the dots as to why these two things are damaged. I'm not right. just going to go just because something doesn't look functional or it's got some kind of marring on it. If I can't relate it to the broken pipe or the, the hail damage, if I can't relate why this happened and this and explain it with, with absolute certainty, then it's not going in my estimate. It's falling under the thing that, that you said, not related to the loss. Right. I don't know why it's damaged. I'm bringing your attention to it. If you guys want right. to hire engineers and figure out why it's damaged, then, then right. more power to yes. you. But I cannot relate it to the loss. And at this point in time, it's not going in my estimate. And that that's a good segue into one of the last points I wanted to make. You talked about engineers. Um, I know a lot of PAs will take on a claim and they've, especially water losses, and they've never done a water loss or they've had no water loss training, call in the experts. Even if, you, <laughs> if you've if you never had, or, or you think you've done a water loss and you thought you did a good job on it, call in the experts, whether they've been, you know, your water mitigation folks, your uh, interior envir environmentalists, you know, your engineers. Yes, it is a cost. It, it's a cost to the file. I get it. And people get real squirrely and hesitant. And then, then I got to explain to the insured. But this goes back to coaching the insured in the beginning. If you coached the insured in the beginning, hey, there may be a time during this claim process where I have to bring in an expert. Because if they don't do that, then uh, I, I can only imagine PAs have been told this. Well, then what, I'd, what did I have to hire you for? If I, now I got to go hire an expert. Well, Because I know again. the expert. That's why you hired yeah. me. You didn't even right. know that you needed it. Well, that, again, you know what? <laughs> The fact that I know that there's a guy that is going to convince the insurance company to pay it. That's what you're paying me for is the fact that I mm -hmm. know that. Right. Um, I, you know, like and I, I think, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I did not go and get IIC, WRT and FSRT certified. I didn't go get normie certified in mold because I was going to be the expert. That is not why I went to training. I went to that training so that I could speak the language between the experts and the adjuster and the homeowner. I wanted to be able to use the language and understand and also recognize when those folks needed to be brought in. It was not so that I would be mold testing on my own files and I would be, you know, no. <laughs> well, and, and if you have these experts, 90% of the time, it alleviates the conflict of interest that you're really fighting. Yes. Of course. You and liability. 
yeah. And I mean, it really is like, look, I didn't say it was damaged. This guy said it was damaged. And carriers do the same thing. Your Honor, we hired an engineer, and he said that there was no damage. And that's what they do all the time. Now, the what we're doing is we're approaching a claim under the concept of plausible probability, whereas a right. carrier approaches the claim under the concept of plausible deniability and That's so right. what we're going yep. at we, we kind of have different goals there and in, in what we're doing when we bring in an expert we want to prove it. They want to disprove it. And that's why they do it. But understand, documentation generally falls into one of three categories. And I actually have a reel on this on my Facebook and TikTok if y'all want to go look at it with really cool graphics. Basically, it's, it's firsthand documentation. These, this is the documentation when you show up, the pictures you take, take and annotate and that you pull together and the videos and the Matterports and all of these different things that you can do. That's that firsthand documentation, documentation that you produce with your own two hands. Then there's expert documentation. Now, expert documentation can be a contractor that comes in that's actually going to be doing the work. He's the guy that says this is what it's going to cost. This is the labor action required. It may be like a a, uh, you know, uh, an industrial hygienist, an environmental engineer, mm -hmm. whatever those cases may be. It may be, you know, a, a structural engineer, a forensic engineer that comes in and can explain these certain things. Now, that documentation usually costs some level of money or you're going to be paying these people at some level, whether it's to do the job or to provide the documentation to get the job paid for. Either way, until you have that, so you've got that second kind of documentation. If you don't have that, more than likely, it's not going to be paid for. So it's a necessary cost. Do I think the right. policy should cover those necessary costs, those claim expenses? Absolutely. And we're fighting for that. That's one of the things right. that a lot of people out there fighting for in legislation. So as, as you people vote, please vote some of these things if you think it's necessary, because what it takes to prove a claim is not what it used to be. You know what I mean? And then and then finally, your third party unbiased documentation, this documentation pretty much pre-exists the loss. OK, so this is a this is a weather report from a source that you go, whether it's hail trace or AccuWeather, whatever this is. You know, it's like I'm looking for this third party unbiased documentation that most common construction, you're going to paint two coats of paint. You're not going to be able to blend texture. These are things that we're looking for. Generally, if you if you think that you have a leak and you can't find it, this third party documentation that exists out there to prove sort of your point and your methodology. So it's those three categories. It's your firsthand documentation that you produce. It's your expert documentation. And then it's that third party unbiased that pre-existed the loss that you can go out there and find at any point in time. It's going to fall into one of those three categories. Transparency during documentation is unbelievably important and where you get it and how you produce it yep. means everything. I know that, uh, you know, I, you know, when I hire some engineers or we have to send something to a metallurgist, there's actually a chain of custody on that stuff, Jess. Which I find crazy important <laughs> to have that kind of stuff. But yeah. anyway, um, well, guys, that is the completion of two rounds. Do you have any final thoughts on that, Jess, or are you good to go? No, I'm good. All right. So we're going to get into round three because round three starts right after this. 
When choosing someone to help with your online marketing, make sure you go with someone that has years of experience. Our good friend Sally at Thrive has over 20 years of digital marketing experience. She can build you a beautiful 15-page sleek, interactive website, post on your social media platforms multiple times a week. She can do a video, an amazing CRM to manage and uh, maintain and nurture your clients, text, email marketing, review generation, a business listing on 60 plus search engines, including free voice networks, appointment scheduling, estimates, invoices, payment processing, and more. She will also create for you on uh, on Google, a Facebook page, in Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you need these for your businesses, she'll, she'll help you create those pages on all of those sites. You already have these pages. She'll optimize them for you as well call or message sally today if you want to get started you can reach her at 214-789-1651 again her name is sally brigance her number is 214-789-1651 and uh, you'll also get a landing page the day you sign up when you send her a referral that signs up with her she'll credit your billing account logos are also available um and she also offers a lead generation service and seo search engine optimization where she can uh, guarantee you to appear on the first page of google or your money back it is spelled t-h-r-y-b and you can find my good friend sally brigance and that's spelled s-a-l-l-i-e brigance b-r-i-g-a-n-c-e and she can be reached once again at 214-789-1651 Round three, transparency with the carrier. <laughs> this goes back to rule number one. Don't be a dick. And don't be <laughs> right? that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't be the guy that thinks that you're going to strong arm a billion dollar corporation into thinking like you do. <laughs> it's not going to work. You know, dealing with carriers is always really tough, but my favorite thing to tell them is, and I have done this more than once. What I, do, what I do is I send them my estimate and it's like, look, this is a large loss. I know that you guys have been out there. I need you to look at my estimate and you tell me what documentation you need to extend this loss. Because if you don't like the documentation I have, that's fine. I'll go get it. What documentation do you need? What right. is it that you're looking for? What information do you need to extend coverage on this loss? I've got one. Uh, well, so I've got one where the carrier. Okay. So hey, last time a hailstorm hit was May of 2022. So last, last May homeowners come, they buy a house in November of 2022, March of 2023, major hailstorm comes through, but it's in such a remote area way outside San Antonio the hail didn't get picked up on any of the radars. And I, I went to the internet to figure out like, how in the world is this possible? Right? Well, there's two radars, both are over 50 miles away from this location. So it's very remote, but I went ahead, marked up the, the roof hail everywhere, sent in the claim carrier denies and says, Nope. Last time we show hail was made of 2022 last year before the homeowners bought this home falls under the previous policy. I was like, well, crap, how do I, how do I do this? How do I stand up for the insured? Cause the insured is telling me 
no, this, this hail fell on this day. So did the due diligence in finding out that yes, it's a remote location. So there's a possibility that it just didn't pick up the hail. Um, that's one. Two is I went to the, uh, home inspection report. Well, the home inspection report had maybe a total of five photos of the roof. So not very many, but I did notice that all five photos were clear of any hail. So I sent that in as documentation. Um, they still weren't having it. So, um, I just recently, when I did get response today, so I, I can't wait to click on my email, but I did send correspondence to the home inspector again, doing that due diligence to get <laughs> this adjuster, the documentation that they need to help the, you know, basically how can I help you help the homeowner? I, I get what they're being told by their management, but, um, so I'm, I am going a little bit above and beyond, but I've got through to the home inspector to say, Hey, in your report, you didn't talk about hail. You were looking at it from, you know, the overall health of the roof in general. However, in your photos, it's, it's kind of, they're, you know, compressed, but it see, appears that it's clean and clear of any hail. Can you confirm or deny or write a, a, a letter or report? Um, I did get that email today, so I'm really excited to see what he had to say, but it, it's going that extra mile. It, it, it's worth it. If, if that's that one extra piece of documentation that's needed for that adjuster to go, okay, I'm free and clear. My manager can be off my back. I've got more than enough because <laughs> you know, not at every point can you tell is the point of friction with the desk adjuster is that point of friction with their supervisor. You don't know where up the chain it is. So point you know, of friction with your ego or that too, um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they, they just want to be right. I mean, you, sometimes you've got to flesh that kind of stuff out. I mean, you don't really right. know what you're up against and I, I, and not to cut you off, but so, so go ahead and finish your thought. I just, no, that, that was, that was pretty much the end of the story. I just, it, it's, it's going back to, you know, I understand Mr. and Mr. You know, desk adjuster. This is what your hell report says. Yes. I provided the same hell report. However, I really don't feel like these homeowners are lying. So I'm going to go above and beyond and do some due diligence. And before, you know, instead of just saying, Oh, well we disagree. So we're gonna just going to flip this illegal. <laughs> no, right. you yeah. want to, you want to do the, the due diligence. Well, I think I think where where the rub really kind of becomes, I, I mean, because who goes it, off of just the hell report? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like I've had one guy that you know I showed them a hail trace report where there was there was hail on March third, and and sorry, I should not <laughs> beep beep. <laughs> I have shown, hang on a second. I have shown them my, you know, my hail trace report that showed, you know, uh, hail on on March the third, and then the carrier comes back and says to me, "Well, I'm sorry, um, our hail report that we use from insert, you know, whatever service um, says that there was no hail on that date." Yeah, but I've given you a, a report that does show that there was hail on that date. In fact, here's right. another report that shows that there was hail on that date. And here's another report that shows it. Well, our report doesn't show that. And I think what becomes super frustrating is we have fulfilled the burden of proof of loss and all they're right. looking for is one sliver of an opportunity, which is 
which is the plausible deniability that I was talking about, Your Honor, or, you know, in depositions, well, we pulled this, and this is how we determined this is part of our investigation, and our investigation revealed that we didn't just make this decision, we actually have documentation that's against it. And guys, adjusters, public adjusters, contractors, understand that's what you're up against. If they can find one sliver of plausible deniability to say no to the claim, that's what you're up against now. It used to not be that way. It used to not be that way, but right. it is it is that way now. If they can find something that says we don't owe for it, then that's what they're gonna that's what they're gonna stand on. And that's how they're staring you in the face, going, You can sue us. You can sue us. Let's see what the judge says about it. We lock our chances. Yep. But they that's what they and they or they want you to change the other thing is they want you to change a data loss based on a hell report. I'm like, I I can't do that. Oh, this, oh, Sorry, the rest of the story. Duh. God, this is where I was going with the whole freaking thing. What a Monday. Okay, so, so they said, um, yep, May 2022 is the last time. So have the insurance file a new claim because there was one in June. And it was three-inch hail. And I, I looked and I said, you don't understand. I took the photos in April because the original storm date was March of this year. My photos are date time stamped, buddy. I am not changing the date of loss. You're asking the insured to lie. And we won't do that. Well, I mean, I've had them ask me, you'll, you'll have to file a different claim for that. And I'm like, why can't you just change the, I, and so kind of transversely is what I'm saying is like, I've got all of these hail dates under coverage and you're saying there's no hail on that date. That's fine. Do you have dates that, that, that correspond with where coverage exists? Right. Yeah. Do you have those dates and it's like, well, you'd have yeah. to file a new claim, but the damage is the same. <laughs> exactly. It's the same damn damage. Yep. <laughs> and what are you going to tell me? That's old damage. That's from a different client. And it's like, no, uh-huh. I'm not, not going to go down that road with We're you. We're not going you down that rabbit hole. That's right. You have to file a different claim. And I'm like, I'm not. And, and guess, guess what the quickest way to get your insurance canceled or dropped is these days. Too many claims. Too Even many claims. Though you're filing it for one set of damage. Yep. One set of damage. And here's the funny thing is on this particular situation that I'm talking about, the carrier goes, you'll have to file a different. They had already extended coverage for the soft metals on the roof, but That's right. there was no hail that hit that house. And I'm like, wait a minute, you extended coverage. Well, I guess that was a mistake. So are you going to extend coverage for the, so what are you going to do when I file another claim? Are those going to be excluded? Yeah. You'll have to pay another deductible. Oh, isn't that convenient? So uh-huh. now you're going to charge them two two deductibles for the that's same right. damage. And it's like, look, man, that's not okay. That's why we just need to change the data loss because you've already extended coverage. And asking them to pay two deductibles on the same damage is breach. You can't right. do that. I can't change the I can't change the data loss. I cannot <laughs> change the data loss. That's right. That that's our job. Our job is to provide the data loss. Yeah. And, and when you have, and all you have is the documentation and it's like, whatever it is, whatever service I choose. And I mean, there's a ton of them out there. Benchmark, AccuWeather, Hail Trace. Um, um, what's the other, interactive Hail Maps? I forget what that, Hail Recon. Is. Um, we use a uh, Hail Strike. Hail Strike. Um, Hail Strike's you can, a good one. Stormer site, Noah, there's all of these different ones, but now we've got to be address specific. We can't just because back, 
right. eight, nine years ago, we could just, as long as there was hail in the yep. area, within, yes, two in the area. Three, in two, within two or three miles, you yep. got your roof replaced. It was in the area, you know, and you could get your roof replaced. And it's just not, that is not what is going on anymore. And it's got to be address specific. And I can see when you get down to one single address, how they may miss that hail fell at that longitude and latitude. Do you know what I mean? Because yep. they're picking where the hail fell. They're not saying that it didn't fall to the left and that it didn't fall to the right. They're just saying it right. didn't fall right there. And I'm telling you, there's no way it's that accurate. There's no way to tell what happened because the radar for where it falls drops out at something like 400 feet, I think. And, and look, the, the other part about being transparent with these adjusters is, especially in the case of Dallas area, where now I'm pulling hail reports and there's hail's hit the house five, six times in a year. So going through and saying, okay, you know what? I agree with you, Mr. Adjuster. This damage over here is old, but we're not talking about this damage, the old damage. We're talking about all this new stuff right over here. That, that goes, that's in, in, instead of just trying to say, oh, no, all of this, you know, because there's there's the folks out there that do that, too. So, you know, doing that due diligence also and being transparent with them. I, I do understand what you're saying. You're, you're talking about old hell. And, and I'll agree with you. This looks like old hell. It's, yeah. You know, the matting's yeah. exposed. It's it's white, you know, or grayish, grayish white. It's it's now I got it. I agree with you. But look at all this new stuff that's over here. It's black. The granules just got dislodged. It's now in the gutters so on and so forth. Right. And and look, all of the evidence for you to extend coverage is here. Mm-hmm. That's, and yep. that, and, and that's, and that's wh- when, and so we have to, we have to, we have to show how this, how we get there. We are going to have to draw our dots closer together. I'm telling you the efforts of proving the loss extend way beyond you filling out a form. You are going, we are going to have to do the work. You're actually going to have to get up and show where you looked at it. I love drones. I think drones are great. I think they're awesome, but there is no substitute for boots on a roof. You know what I mean? You know, you are going to have to do more. The further from the carrier you get, the more accurate you have to be. Have you ever noticed when you're dealing with a staff adjuster how they'll show up, they'll take 11 photos, they'll walk off, and that's the end of it. But if you deal Mm -hmm. with an independent adjuster, they take like 100 photos. They take pictures of everything. You know, and and contractors have to be even more accurate. And as public adjusters, I guess the diametric opposite to a carrier, you have to be accurate. You have to be writing your narrative. You have to tell them what you're thinking. And I'm telling you, if you're not like Jess – like Jess said, if you're not pointing out things that you don't believe are related, that this isn't related, this is pet damage. This is this is wear and tear. This is um, I'm not going to say this mechanical is damage. I, this is this is marring. This is installation error. This is poor workmanship. This doesn't have anything to do with the storm. If you're not pointing those areas out then there's, there's, there's a fallacy within your claim and you've got to shore those things up and you've got to be that level of transparent. And I'm telling you, I tell every single carrier this, look, guys, I am not here to work against you. I don't see this as a competition. This is not something for me to win. 
I am here to work with you and provide you the documentation and information that you need to make a honorable coverage decision here. That's what I'm here to do. So same with when, when you recognize an error in your estimate. I mean, cause I bring hard copies estimates on, on every field inspection with the, with their, every adjuster uh, meeting and, and we'll go through the hard copy and uh, you know, every now and then I'll still find an error. I'm like, crap, I put R and R I meant DNR. That's just supposed to be detached or reset. I did not mean that it needed to be repaired and replaced. I'm sorry. I'll mark it out right there and I'll initial, and then I'll give them a copy at the end. And that just shows that you're human and you may, I mean, we all make mistakes, but it also shows that you're not trying to pull anything over on anybody. You're not trying to hide and be sneaky about something in there. Absolutely. And so as, as we wrap the show up here, Jess, I am telling you, this all really centers around really and truly the seamless piece of integrity that we need to be. You know what I mean? Make sure your claims don't have holes in them. You know, we have got to we have got to do everything we can to present the insured's loss as accurately and truly as we possibly can. That felt like that almost didn't even happen. I know. <laughs> Every time we get on here, it feels like it reminds maybe me of prom night. I don't think Jess got that last comment, but I did. I know I was talking to HR if she does, if she did, yeah, probably. So, are you kidding me? I'm, I'm former army, I got thick skin. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, um, Jess, do you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with? Uh, the only thing I can say is keep your nose clean because they're going to come after you. They're, they're yep. going to one way or another, just keep your nose clean. And, and, and look, we, we gotta, for everyone out there, that's not keeping their nose clean. It ruins things for 20 or 30 of the rest of us. And Hey, and don't sleep on when claims have to go to an attorney and don't hold Amen. on. To don't, don't sleep on that because at some point in time, if an insured finds out you hung on to a claim or fought it too long, yep. even, even under good effort to try and get the claim paid without going to legal at some point, you've got to have a threshold that says we need to get this to an attorney because if they lose yes. their opportunity to file suit, they're going to come after you. That's a, that's yes. a liability issue with you. But guys, um, in the meantime, we will be back next week. If you enjoyed what you've heard, please take some time to click like and subscribe. Um, and if you found it really valuable or you know somebody that needs to hear this information, I encourage you to share it. We, we do this for you. We always um, want to hear your thoughts and your comments and any discussion that you may have. Um, you can, you can reach out to either Jessica and I on Facebook, um, Instagram, wherever you want to go. We're usually readily available there, but in the meantime, we will be back next week and, uh, stay ready. So you don't have to get ready and we will see you on the next one. Yeah.